Okay, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. The Word of God says, Woe to you who make your neighbors drink, who mix in your venom, even to make them drunk, so as to look on their nakedness. You will be filled with disgrace rather than honor. Now you yourself drink and expose your own nakedness. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter disgrace will come upon your glory. For the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and the devastation of its beast by which you terrified them, because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town and all its inhabitants. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time and your word that teaches us to, um, to fear you and to turn away from evil. Lord, may you grant to all of us the beginning of wisdom, that we would um, indeed fear the Lord and the one who has, um, um, has judgment over all the earth. Lord, you are the judge of all the earth, and you will judge the world in righteousness through your uh, Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Um, may we fear him and, and come to know him uh, by the working of your Spirit in our hearts, that we would be made new, <clears throat> and that we would um, put to death the deeds of the body and be saved from this perverse generation. Um, give us ears to hear your word tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Habakkuk 2, we are um, continuing on in this uh, taunt song that God has brought against Babylon. We see in Habakkuk 2, verse 6, it says, Will not all of these take up a taunt song against him, even mockery and insinuations against him, and say, and then he begins the woes. So this is God's taunt song, the song of mockery against Babylon which he encourages all of the nations, the ones who have been oppressed and plundered by Babylon, to, to join in. And so here in verses 15 to 17, we have the fourth <clears throat> and second to last woe of this taunt song. He's pronouncing woes upon uh, Babylon for all of the violence and evil deeds that it has done to all the nations. And we've been talking about many times that uh, this is, of course, according to God's will, that Babylon has been doing this. Uh, because it was the will of the Lord to do this. But that being the case, um, though that is the Lord's will, Babylon was a an unrighteous nation, a wicked nation with wicked kings, doing wicked deeds, um, and even being um, harsh and, and evil against the, the people of God, the people of Judah. And so God will judge them for that. And this is God's judgment that he's declaring. Um, just as... Um, they plundered nations, so other nations will eventually plunder them, and God will recompense them for their evil deeds. So we see in verse 15, he says, Woe to you who make your neighbors drink, who mix in your venom, even to make them drunk, so as to look on their nakedness. So here we see an analogy from everyday life. Um, we have many, many places where we, we drink and many pe people that get drunk. In their, um, in their daily life. And we know that when someone drinks and they drink too much, they get drunk and they become uh, incomprehensible. They stagger and they can easily be taken advantage of, whether it's men or women. Men take advantage of women when they get them drunk in order to do their venomous in intentions. And even men make other men drink um, and get them drunk so that they can do uh, wicked things upon them. And so God is using this analogy with uh, Babylon that they... Um, have made their neighbors drink, drink their, their, their liquor, that Babylon came upon all of these nations and 
they made them so uh, terrified that they were staggering like drunken men that when they um, put uh, their cities in sieges in order to overtake them, they they made them drunk um, on uh, blood and the, the plundering of their, their kingdoms. And they did it so as to look on their nakedness. We think of when um, Babylon tore down the, the walls of Jerusalem or the, the temple and Jerusalem lay exposed, exposed to all of the the nations and other nations around the area and being uh, liable to being taken over by other people as well in the future. And they made uh, the temple exposed as well, naked, bare before all the world and to see all of their idolatries that they were committing. But they were doing this um, with venom, it says. You mix, you mix in your venom even to make them drunk. It was not good intentions. It wasn't anything righteous in them that, that, that why they did this. It was for poison to um, to do evil things, to do wicked things. Um, just like a wicked man causes his victims to drink and think that they are about to feast with joy, but instead he has venomous intentions in order to gaze upon their nakedness and to do it with all shame, uh, derision, and mocking, and immorality. And this is exactly what, what Babylon has done. Um, and we'll see this in Ezekiel chapter 16 that God told Judah that this was what was going to happen, that they were going to be naked and bare before others. In Ezekiel 16, we have God's prophecy and his, his, his taking Judah to the courtroom, showing why he's giving them a certificate of divorce, and all because of all of their immoralities, their idolatries, their um, harlotries against the Lord. Ezekiel 16, verse 35 it says here, he calls Judah a harlot. He says, therefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your lewdness was poured out and your nakedness uncovered through your harlotries with your lovers and with all your detestable idols, and because of the blood of your sons which you gave to idols, therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, even all those whom you loved and all those whom you hated. So I will gather them against you from every direction and expose your nakedness to them, so that they may see all your nakedness. Thus I will judge you like women who commit adultery, or shed blood are judged, and I will bring on you the blood of wrath and jealousy. I will also give you into the hands of your lovers, and they will tear down your shrines, demolish your high places, strip you of your clothing, take away your jewels, and will leave you naked and bare. They will incite a crowd against you, and they will stone you, and cut you to pieces with their swords. They will burn your houses with fire and execute judgments on you in the sight of many women. Then I will stop you from playing the harlot, and you will also no longer pay your lovers. So I will calm my fury against you, and my jealousy will depart from you, and I will be pacified and angry no more, because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but have enraged me by all these things. Behold, I in turn will bring your conduct down on your own head, declares the Lord God, so that you will not commit this lewdness on top of all your other abominations." So here, through the prophet Ezekiel, God is pronouncing this judgment, and the judgment is that they will be exposed. They will be naked uh, before all the nations, and all of their idolatries and immoralities will be exposed, naked, and bare, and they will have no one to protect them. And it is God's will that he does this. It is God's will for them to be judged in this way. Um, but at the same time, this is the very same thing, the very acts that Babylon does that God will judge Babylon for. They made them naked and bare, according to God's will, but he will judge them for the intentions of their heart that he, that Babylon, 
desire to make them drunk and to make them naked and to plunder them. Um, we see this as well uh, in Revelation 17, that this is the case with, with all nations who, who oppress and, and take plunder. And it will happen in the, in the very last nations on the earth, um, which we see typified with um, Babylon uh, itself. Revelation 17, uh, 1 through 7. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And so there we see that the the wicked nation Babylon, the, the kingdom of man, makes all nations and peoples drunk with immorality. And why do they do it? They make them drunk with immorality to look upon their nakedness and make them a derision and mockery before men. We think of Romans 1 when, when God says that they knew, and Paul says that they knew what was right, they knew what was worthy of death, and yet they gave hearty approval for doing what was evil. And this is exactly what Babylon was doing. And then this is God's judgment upon, upon them, that this is the evil, this is his indictment against them, that you... Make your neighbors drink in order to um, give them immoralities and make them a derision. But this is what God will judge them for. So let's go to some examples of people making others drunk in the Bible. Because it is a good analogy that God uses. And we will see that this is indeed very evil and something that we should not do. Uh, so we'll start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 9, where we are after the flood that God has brought Noah and his three sons and their wives safely through the flood. And then after some time, he plants a vineyard, Noah does, and then he drinks from it and he becomes drunk. Genesis 9, or we'll start in verse 21. He drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. So here we don't have an example of Ham causing his father to be drunk, but we do have an example of someone uh, ga inappropriately gazing upon the nakedness of another, that he was mocking uh, his father and making his father a derision, and he told um, his two brothers. But then in verse 23, But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. The attitude of the wicked is to laugh and mock at the, the demise of someone, especially the, a righteous man. But the attitude of the righteous is to instead cover the nakedness of, of, of uh, people, and especially God's people. Um, and so there we see the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, where Ham is like the people of Babylon, wanting to expose people instead of uh, cover them up and to do what is good and right uh, before God. Uh, still in Genesis, Genesis 19, here we have a, a very clear example of someone getting another drunk for venomous intentions to, to spew venom into someone else. This is after Sodom and Gomorrah has been raised by God and been um, destroyed with fire and brimstone. And after Lot has escaped, we see what his daughters have done to him. Genesis 19, verse 30. Genesis 19, 30 says, Lot went up from Zoar and stayed in the mountains, and his two daughters with him, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar, and he stayed in a cave, he and his two daughters. 
Then the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and let us lie with him, that we may uh, preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her, or her father, and he did not know what, when she lay down or when she arose. On the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. So here we see <clears throat> this evil intention of Lot's daughters, that they, um, because of their lack of faith in God, they decided to get their father drunk. And in his um, debasement, they lie with him and debase him even further and, and cohabit with their own father. And, this, and then the nations that came from them were ones that ended up persecuting the people of God in the future. Uh, moving on to Exodus, Exodus 32. This is when Moses was on the mountain and he stayed long on the mountain. The people um, grew weary and said, um, asked Aaron to make a God for them because they didn't want to trust God's plan and did not uh, trust Moses either. And so they asked Aaron to, to make a God for them. And we see in Exodus 32, um, Verse uh, one, it says this, it says, come make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So after Aaron makes the, the calf, we see in verse uh, five, it says, now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they, they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And he, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. So they're eating, they're drinking, they're feasting, and they're doing things that are immoral and evil. And we bring this up because in verse 25 of chapter 32, it says, Aaron allowed this to happen so that they would be a derision. Exodus 32, 25. He says, Now when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. So Aaron let them get out of control. Aaron let them get drunk, let them commit immorality. And he was the one who built the calf itself. And he did it to, so that they would be a derision among their enemies. This would be like Ham. Ham, instead of covering his father's nakedness, he, he went out and told his two brothers about the nakedness of their father. But instead... Uh, Moses is like Shem and Japheth, that he wanted to cover the nakedness, which does include the judgment of the people who are committing this immorality. Second uh, Samuel, with David, we have the same, this is a righteous man, David and Aaron are righteous men, but he also commits the sin of getting others drunk. Second Samuel 11, after David commits his sin with Bathsheba, commits immorality with her, adultery with her, um, he, and desires to, to lie about it and, and cover it up by having Uriah lie with his own wife to confuse whether who the father was, he gets Uriah drunk in order for this to happen. 2 Samuel 11, verse 12. 2 Samuel eleven twelve, 
Then David said to Uriah, Stay here today also, and tomorrow I will let you go. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now David called him, and he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his bed with his Lord's servants, but he did not go down to his house. Now in the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He had written in the letter, saying, Place Uriah in the front line of the fiercest battle and withdraw from him, so that he may be struck down and die. David got Uriah drunk in order to try to cover up his sin. And in his blindness, David even, with the same intention, decided to murder Uriah and put him on the front lines, as we know the story. There, David is getting someone drunk, and this is the venom that David put in his drink. The venom was that it would cover up the lie, the sin that David had committed, that was worthy of death, and even led to the murder of Uriah himself. A couple chapters over, in chapter 13 of 2 Samuel, we see the same thing with David's son, a wicked man, Absalom. After Amnon, another son of David, lies with a daughter of David, Tamar, um, Absalom desires to take vengeance on Tamar, or upon uh, Amnon, for Tamar, that is. And he also gets them drunk for um, evil intentions. Second Samuel 13, verse 24. Second Samuel thirteen twenty four. Absalom came to the king and said, Behold now, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, we should not all go, for we will be burdensome to you. Although he urged him, he would not go, but blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But when Absalom urged him, he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Absalom commanded his servant, saying, See now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then put him to death. Do not fear, have I not I myself commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. The servants of Absalom did to Amnon just as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each mounted his mule and fled. So there again we see the evil intention. It was not to feast uh, with Amnon, but Absalom get, got him drunk in order to kill him to take advantage of him. And we also know it from the, the rest of the story that Absalom, uh, being an antichrist, he also um, desired to take over his father's kingdom and usurp the throne. This is the venom that he had, just like the venom of Babylon, the, the venom that Babylon mixed for the nations that it went and plundered in order to look upon their nakedness. Back to Habakkuk 2, we'll move on to verse 16. And we'll continue uh, with God's... So in verse 15, we have God's indictment of them and what their sin was. And then in verse 16, we see God's judgment upon them. Habakkuk 2.16 You will be filled with disgrace rather than honor. Now you yourself drink and expose your own nakedness. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter disgrace will come upon your glory. They think that they're going to be filled with honor. Um, they're gathering all the nations to themselves. They're plundering um, all of their, their goods and their spoil, um, destroying their temples, taking the gold out of it. Um, and the same was true for, for the other men that we, we looked at in, throughout Scripture that, for example, Lot's daughters, they also thought that they would have honor, but instead they had shame. Um, and they, they wanted to get rid of the shame of their barrenness, but instead they got brought shame upon them and their family. And it's the same uh, is true for Absalom and for David. They wanted to hide in order to keep their honor, but instead 
they were given shame. And this is what will happen with Babylon, and it's what happened at the time, and will happen to all nations who are um, filled with violence. It was their lack of faith in the Lord, whether it's temporary lack of faith like in David, or if it's complete like Absalom, it renders them displeasing in the sight of the Lord, as we saw from Habakkuk 2.4, that the just shall live by faith. And we know from Romans 8 that if we do not have faith, we're not pleasing to God. Um, their glory becomes their shame, as it says in Philippians 3.19, that their glory is in their shame. God will expose them. Um, but we know that all men seek honor for themselves. But the only true and lasting honor comes from hearing uh, the Son of God on the last day when he says, Well done, good and faithful slave, as it says in Matthew 25.21. That is the true honor, the true lasting honor that lasts forever. When, when the Son of God, the one who rules over all things, who has all authority in heaven on earth, says, to his people, good, well done, good and faithful slave. That is true honor. But the honor that they seek will be turned into shame. Um, they shamed others. That same shame will come upon them. Uh, let's look at Lamentations four, twenty-one, And we'll see that the same is true of the other nations who mocked um, Judah in their demise. Uh, their brother Edom, who is our descendants from Esau, Jacob's brother, they were mocking and laughing at the demise of Judah. But God declares that they will also uh, reach their demise. Lamentations 4, verse 21. Lamentations four twenty-one. It says, Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, who dwells in the land of Uz, but the cup will come around to you as well. You will become drunk and make yourself naked. The punishment of your iniquity has been completed, O daughter of Zion. He will exile you no longer, but he will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will expose your sins. He says, rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom. They're rejoicing, they're mocking, they're feasting at the demise of Judah, that their iniquities were exposed, their sins were exposed, and they're rejoicing in it. But then God says, the cup, that same cup that Judah drank, that will come around to you as well, and you will become drunk then you will be exposed, you will become naked, you will stagger, and you will be destroyed by Babylon. Zion's iniquity has been completed. They have been um, exiled, but God will return them to their land. But God will punish the iniquity of Edom, and he will expose their sins, and there will be no return for them. Only God's people get true redemption. Those who are the wicked will have no redemption. They will be judged with nothing else, no mercy for them. Let's see this also in Revelation 18. This is, again, true. This is true over all time, whether we're talking about the nations in the days of Babylon, um, whether it's the days of Christ or in recent history or in the future, that all nations will be judged by the one who made them. Revelation 18, uh, 1 through 9. Revelation 18, 1 says, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons, and a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. 
and the cup which she has mixed makes twice as much for her. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning, for she says in her heart, I sit as queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. This, this Babylon says in its heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow. It says to the, in verse 7, this is in verse 7, to the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, she thought she was getting glory for herself. Um, and she mixed this cup of immorality for all the nations. So much glory, so much um, uh, ease and luxury in this world. Yet to that same degree that she glorified herself with this false and temporary glory, to that same degree God gives her torment and mourning. This is the shame that she will have. Just as a queen is is made barren and taken down from her throne and t taken all of her pleasures and luxuries taken away from her, that's exactly what will happen to Babylon, and it will be in torment and mourning. And in one day, very quickly her plagues will come, it says in verse 8, for this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. And why? Because the Lord God who drudges her is strong. We have one who is judging all the nations. The one that we put our faith in, he is the strong one, the one who will judge everyone. This is the one that all the nations should be fearing, but they do not. We have feared him, and we have become his people. And we must know and believe that he is strong. He is the one who controls all things, and that this one that created us, who gave us our life and breath and all things, this is the one who judges our enemies. This is the one who fights against our enemies, um, who causes uh, the iniquities of Babylon to be remembered, who causes her to stagger and get, to get drunk, to mix a cup for her twice as much as what she has mixed for others. This is the one that we must believe in and trust that he will do this for us. Jeremiah 51 uh, says the same thing, that God is the one who caused Babylon to to, um, to do all these things in the first place, just as he raised up Pharaoh so that God would demonstrate his power in him, he did the same with Babylon. Jeremiah 51, Jeremiah 51, verse 1, says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am going to arouse against Babylon and against the inhabitants of Leb Kamai, the spirit of a destroyer. I will dispatch foreigners to Babylon that they may winnow her, and may devastate her land. For on every side they will be opposed to her in the day of her calamity. Let not him who bends his bow bend it, nor let him rise up in his scale armor. So do not spare her young men. Devote all her army to destruction. They will fall down slain in the land of the Chaldeans, and pierce through in their streets. For neither Israel nor Judah has been forsaken by his God, the Lord of hosts, although their land is full of guilt before the Holy One of Israel. Flee from the midst of Babylon, and each of you save his life. Do not be destroyed in her punishment, for this is the Lord's time of vengeance. He is going to render recompense to her. Babylon has been a golden cup in the hand of the Lord, intoxicating all the earth. The nations have drunk of her wine, therefore the nations are going mad. Suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken. Wail over her, bring balm for her pain, perhaps she may be healed. We applied healing to Babylon, but she was not healed. Forsake her, and let us each go to his own country, for her judgment has reached to heaven and towers up to the very skies. 
The Lord has brought about our vindication. Come, let us recount in Zion the work of the Lord our God. So there we see in verse 7 that Babylon has been a golden cup in the hand of the Lord. The Lord is the one who caused Babylon to destroy all these nations. He He's the one who made them a golden cup. He's the one who intoxicated all the earth with um, their wine, their wine of immorality, and the nations went mad. So they should not think that God would not judge them for their wickedness. If God is the one who used them, then he can certainly judge them for the wickedness that they committed. And we see the shame that he brings upon Babylon, that they will fall down slain in the land of Chaldeans and pierced through in their streets, as it says in verse 4. They're not spared. Um, they are going to be destroyed. It's God's vengeance, that there will be wailing over her, and it's God's vindication. Their glory, all of their glorious towers and their palaces were brought to rubble, and only the foxes dwelt in them after that point. No, no man dwelt in their in those temples or in those um, palaces anymore after that. Um, let's also turn to Jeremiah twenty-five since we're there. Jeremiah twenty-five, and we'll see uh, similar things there. Jeremiah twenty-five, verse twelve. Jeremiah 25, verse 12. Again, the, the judgment and shame brought upon Babylon. Then it will be when 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, declares the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it an everlasting desolation. I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings will make slaves of them, even them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the work of their hands. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, says to me, Take this cup of wine of the wine of wrath from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. They will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me drink it. Jerusalem and the cities of Judah and its kings and its princes to make them a ruin, a horror, a hissing and a curse as it is this day. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his servants, his princes and all his people. And all the foreign people, all the kings of the land of Uz, all the kings of the land of the Philistines, even Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, and the sons of Ammon, and all the kings of Tyre, all the kings of Sidon, and the kings of the coastlands which are beyond the sea, and Adon, Temah, Buz, and all who cut the corners of their hair, and all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings of foreign people who dwell in the desert, and all the kings of Zimri, all the kings of Elam, and all the kings of Medea, and all the kings of the north, near and far, one with another, and all the kingdoms of the earth which are upon the face of the ground, and the king of Shishak shall drink after them. When it says in verse 26, the king of Shishak shall drink after them, that, that word Shishak is a name used for Babylon. So Babylon is, um, is the cup in the Lord's hand causing all of these kings that he listed, all of these nations to drink and be destroyed. And then at the very end, he says, and the king of Shishak shall drink after them. Just as all these nations were destroyed by Babylon, so God will destroy Babylon the same way. They were destroyed. They were a ruin and a horror. They were drunk on the wine of God's wrath. And so Babylon will do the same. They will drink and they will be judged. And then lastly, on Psalm 75, we see that this is the case for all time. And it will be the case in the very end when God judges all 
all nations. Psalm 75. Psalm 75 says, We give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks, for your name is near. Men declare your wondrous works. When I select an appointed time, it is I who judge with equity. The earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. I said to the boastful, do not boast, and to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is well mixed, and he pours out of this. Surely all the wicked of the earth must drain and drink down its dregs. But as for me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob, and all the horns of the wicked he will cut off, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. In verse 8, it says, For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is well mixed, and he pours out of this. Surely all the wicked of the earth must drain and drink down its dregs. God is the one who mixes a cup for people to drink, that drink his wrath. He's the one who makes the nations ashamed for their wicked deeds. This cup that is in the Lord's right hand comes around um, to all the wicked in all the earth um, in all time. And they, um, they will drink down its dregs. The dregs are the last drops from the cup. They will drink down to the very last drop, which will endure for eternity. Um, but for the righteous, they will be lifted up, as it says. But as for me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob, and all the horns of the wicked he will cut off. But the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. So this is what we see throughout all scripture, that God will judge the wicked he will make them drink, um, and he will cause the cup to come around to them. But the righteous, he will lift them up and give them the horn of salvation. Um, the nations will be disgraced. They will have disgrace rather than honor. They will have disgrace instead of glory. But the righteous will have the glory of God. They will be glorified with Christ on that last day. They have utter disgrace, utter contempt. Um, being thrown into the lake of fire, where the smoke of their torment rises forever in the presence of the Lamb. But the righteous will will have eternal glory, for glory forever with the triune God of the new heavens and new earth. Returning to Habakkuk 2, let's look at verse 17. He says, For the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and the devastation of its beasts by which you terrified them, because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town and all its inhabitants. Um, this is at least the fourth time God is pronouncing judgment on Babylon because of violence. In Habakkuk 1.9, it says, All of them come for violence. Their horde of faces moves forward. They collect, collect captives like sand. In chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Because you have looted many nations, all the remainder of the peoples will loot you because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town and all its inhabitants. And then in chapter 2, verse 12, Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with violence. We see that Babylon is a very violent nation, and this is why God judges them. It says, For the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you. It is because of their violence that they did to Lebanon. Uh, we, we know that the purpose of Babylon and its intent was to destroy nations and to pl plunder them, and even just for the sake of being violent itself. They revealed their, their bloodlust and their conquests and all that they did. 
Um, Lebanon here is a mountain in the, the north uh, part of Israel, at the border of Israel. And this is where they got the wood in order to build the temple uh, of the Lord that, the, that Solomon built. And so here, when it says, for the violence done to Lebanon, it means the nation of Israel. For the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you. It's because of all of their violent things that they did that we have read before that God will uh, judge them. Um, this violence that was done to Israel and surrounding nations was so horrifying that even the beasts of the forest and field were terrified. And perhaps even the beasts might be referring to um, other nations, because we do know that um, other nations are referred to as beasts in Daniel 7 and 8 and Revelation 13. But we see here that God hates violence and the shedding of innocent blood. God will not be mocked, and he will avenge the blood of the innocent and the righteous. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones, as it says in Psalm 116, verse 15. So now we're going to turn to some scriptures to see that, that God hates violence. Um, and we must remember that when God hates something, um, it's using human language to accommodate us because it says in Psalm 90, verse 8, Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? No one can understand how um, terrible and hateful it is to be hated by God, that God would hate someone with his entire being. We cannot understand it. We can't comprehend that the infinite God would hate something, would hate someone. It is so um, terrible, terrible that we cannot even comprehend it. Um, it is God's nature to be holy. It is God's nature to be love. It is God's nature to be justice. And he is um, entirely opposed to sin. He is entirely hostile to the sinner. Um, the eternally blessed God is against sin with his whole being. As it says in Psalm 5, no evil dwells with him. Well, let's turn to Genesis 9 to see why God hates uh, bloodshed. Because it says in, in Habakkuk 2.17, because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land. Why does God hate human bloodshed? And why should we also hate human bloodshed? Genesis 9, verse 5. This is again after the flood, and God pronounces... Um, this blessing upon Noah. And it says in Genesis 9, 5, Surely I will require your lifeblood. From every beast I will require it. And from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. We see in verse 6 that, and we know this from Genesis 1 as well, that God made man in his image. He endowed man with, with gifts, the gifts of, of, of reason and morality, being able to, to have communion with God himself. They're made in God's image, the image of the infinite God, the one who is before all things and in whom all things hold together. This is, uh, this is man made in God's image, and yet... What do we see in our world? Men murdering men, shedding innocent blood, shedding the blood of other men who are made in the image of God. This is why God hates it so much, because these, uh, these men are made in his image. They are like God, and it's like killing a part of God almost, as if we could, as if we could do that. And so God requires the lifeblood from every beast and every man who sheds man's blood. If, if man takes away the life of another man, then that first man's life must be taken. That is the just penalty for bloodshed and, and violence. 
turn back a little bit to Genesis 4 as we see the first murder. The first sin after the fall um, that's recorded is the murder of a brother. Not just any murder, but the murder of a righteous man. Genesis 4. Now, the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain... Vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain so that no one finding him would slay him. This is the wickedness of Cain that is in all men. And all men must master the sin. Cain was angry and it led him to murder his own brother, his own righteous brother, the one who was a righteous man, um, believing in Christ, worshiping God truly and faithfully, and Cain murdered him and ended his life with bloodshed. And we see how seriously God takes it in, in verse 10. God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. God cursed Cain and made him a vagrant and a wanderer and a sign for all people that he, would be, that he is a, a wicked man, as we also know from Jude, that men who are wicked and evil go the way of Cain. They murder their brothers. They hate their brothers. They hate, they hate God. This is what Cain is really doing. He's really hating God himself. He cannot come and rise up to heaven to murder, to murder God. So what does he do? He murders God's people. He murders Abel, his brother, who was a righteous man, and kills him to soothe his conscience. Let's turn to John 8, as we know that this is coming from Satan himself. Um, John 8, when, when Christ is before the crowds, he tells them and shows them that they are of their father, the devil, that their murderous intentions toward him are coming from Satan himself. John eight forty four. Christ says this, You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whatever he whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. So here Christ is speaking the truth, but the people are speaking a lie. They're pretending to believe in him, but they do not actually believe Christ's word. 
and he's pointing this out, and then he said, and he knows that they are wanting to murder him, and of course, that's what they end up doing. They do murder him, and he says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. What are the desires of Satan but to murder and plunder and steal and destroy? This is exactly what he did from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning. His sin um, was to murder Adam and Eve. He wanted to murder them, to put them to death, to, to kill them spiritually. And that's what he did through his temptations, causing them to disobey God so that they would die. And he does not stand in truth, and there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Through his lies, he caused the death of Adam and Eve and the death of all men. All men are underneath his power when they are underneath sin, uh, lying dead in their sins, dead in their trespasses and sins, dead to God and dead to righteousness, because Satan murdered them. So if we tolerate violence, um, any, any type of violation and murder, then we are of uh, Satan. Satan did violence to the creation of God, making that which was pure contaminated. God created everything good. Creation is good because God made it good, and that, even now it's still the case that creation is good because God made it, though it is corrupted by sin. Sin violates God's creation. It does violence to it um, because it can only pervert that which is good. All men have been murdered, and they continually to murder themselves and murder others. And we must not think this is only for those whom we think are, are deemed more wicked than us. It is for us to heed as well, um, especially if we claim the name of Christ and claim to be inheritors of God. We want to claim to be like God, his children, his inheritance, then we must not murder and commit violence. We cannot do this ourselves. We see this from our Lord himself in Matthew 5, that he gives us this command not to hate our brother, but to love our brother. We know Leviticus nineteen eighteen. we must love our neighbor as ourselves. But in Habakkuk 2, instead of loving their neighbor as themselves, they make their neighbor drunk and they murder them and they cause bloodshed. Matthew 5, verse 21. Christ says, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Anyone who is angry with his brother is guilty before the court, it says in verse 22. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. This is how much God hates murder. He hates innocent bloodshed. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. It is so serious that we must leave our offering right there at the altar immediately and leave and first be reconciled to our brother, the one that we may have hated or who has hated us um, unjustly. We must not murder each other, but we must um, instead, love one another. And we know that in our culture, murder is everywhere. And we see the murder of, of infants and babies in the womb. We see the murder 
through many wars, unjust wars, um, we, we laugh at it, we mock at it, we see it in our movies and in our, in our songs that we don't care um, about the violence that is done to men in video games, whatever it is, um, we love violence, um, unjust violence, wicked violence, and we must not be this way. Let's turn and finish with Psalm 11 and see that God indeed is the one who hates violence and cruelty, and he will be the judge. He will not be mocked, but he will judge uh, people for their wickedness, and he will judge people for their violence, and he hates it. Because God is not a violent God. God is a God of, of goodness, who creates good things, and he does destroy the wicked, but he destroys those who are destroyers of the earth. Psalm 11. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the, fountains are, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. The righteous take refuge in the Lord, but the wicked, in verse 2, they bend the bow. They make ready their arrow upon the strain to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. This is their violence. They hate the righteous, just like Cain. He hated his righteous brother. They, they go to destroy foundations, just like Babylon did, destroy the foundations of the temple and, and, and the foundations of the city. And so what can the righteous do? They can trust that the one in heaven is, is the one who will judge the wicked and that he will be a refuge for them. It says in verse 4, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. The Lord's throne is not one on earth. It is not a kingdom of man that can be raised, be raised and then be um, thrown down. His throne is in heaven where no one can reach. His throne is established by himself. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. And the one who loves violence, his soul hates. What a dreaded thing that we could see that God, his soul, his very soul, his being hates the violent one. The one who loves violence is hated by the very God who made him. We should dread and fear this and not um, and not shrink back from this, but tell others that they are indeed hated by God when they love violence. And upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup, just as Sodom and Gomorrah with their violence, their violence toward a, the, the angels who visited Lot that they were trying to commit. God rained fire and brimstone upon them. And this is exactly what will happen on the last day. For the Lord is righteous and he loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. If we hate violence um, like God commands us to and instead love righteousness, then we can know that God loves us. And this is only possible uh, because we are in the, the one whom he loves supremely, his beloved son and whom he is well pleased. Let us have faith in him. May the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Amen.